0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode forty nine. <laughs>
1: Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your
0: host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's me, your host, Eric Cacciatore and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry and we do that by listening to the industry's most successful restaurant professionals, GM's, restaurateurs, chef proprietors, Really, anybody who can uh, help us in our own restaurant dreams. Um, This is your first time listening. I am a student of the industry. I'm majoring in hospitality. And while I value my education... I know that the best lessons come from listening to those who are living the life that I'm in pursuit of. So with this podcast, I uh, ask the questions that get to what makes these people successful. They share their stories with us and we le- we learn from their stories and apply these stories and lessons from these stories to our own lives. Uh, and it's been a great, great trip and journey so far. I've been loving every second of it. If there is Anybody you'd like me to have on the show, just say the words, uh, tell me who they are, and I will do everything in my power to try to have them as a guest, and we will learn from these uh, individuals together. And um, let me know if there's any subject you want me to cover, and I'll I'll try to do my best to learn about that subject matter as well. Uh, Don't forget, I'm here not only for myself, but also for you, and I can't... Serve you to the full potential unless you engage with me. So, with that said, I hope you enjoyed today's show. It's a great one. La, la, la. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Patrick Susie. Pat, how are you doing? Very well, sir, yourself. I am terrific. Are you ready to uh, drop some bombs of knowledge on us that are gonna make all of our <laughs> restaurant dreams <laughs> just a little bit more unstoppable? Sure, let's, let's do that. <laughs> You're going to be great, man. Uh, so Chef Patrick Soucy uh, is the executive chef at Say up Bar and Kitchen in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Uh, StarChefs.com has described Chef Patrick as a farmer's chef, and he has recently been awarded StarChef.com's Rising Star Chef Award and was invited to cook at the James Beard House. Uh, Chef Patrick, this was just a quick introduction. I'm going to pass it over to you now, and let you kind of elaborate and tell us, uh, give us some quick snapshots of how you got started and where you got today.
1: See, starting uh, at a young age, I grew up in a, uh, a good household of uh, family tradition on Sundays, the classic story. You go to your grandmother's house on Sunday, she's making pasta. Yeah. And uh she's making whipping something up and her and her six daughters are buffling around and just a busy Italian family. And uh it was it was it was excellent. It made uh it made things I put things in perspective of me about all well, that Sundays and family and food. Uh, later on, I moved into a Latino community, and it was just eye-opening to me about uh, you can take that a step further. because In the in the Latino community, there is uh, an everyday feast. It's a very important part of the day, the, the arroz con pollo and the frijoles and mm-hmm. lots of uh, rice and beans like you've never had in your life. Braised tripe with sofrito and olives, the best damn project you'll ever eat. You're making me hungry, uh, man. <laughs> I know uh, pastelés and just really nice. Uh, every day, you know, you you look forward to that to that meal. And being in a small community uh, of Latinos, there was a lot of uh, everybody would kind of pitch in, so it'd be like a cookout all the time. And uh, that that was one of those things that made me, I think, the the, the smell of fillet on the stove or maybe. Um, the salsa picante that was getting dumped all over some hot pork, mm-hmm. some chuleta and stuff like that. It, it was just it kind of really changed the way I looked at food. And yeah, so I don't a, think
0: I create a time frame for us. So uh, you grew up in the Italian house, and then you moved to this Hispanic uh, community. Like, what ages were you uh, when you moved into this Hispanic community? Uh, I was probably 12 years old. All right, so. At the time, so. And this experience is when you started falling in love with food. Uh, and is this when you just knew that it was the industry for you? Not at all.
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't have any idea yeah. um, of of, uh, of that. And I actually never really thought about that until I was asked that same question years back, which was, how did you get into cooking? And I guess I never thought about how I actually became really obsessed with food. So it just kind of, when I had to pry open my history, I said, well, I'm sure that's where it came from. And, uh, and now,
0: till this day, I still... Find myself back in the community, uh, piling up on plates. So you uh, made a decision at some point to go to uh, it was it Whittier College, and then you studied in culinary arts.
1: I went to uh, Whittier Regional Vocational Technical High School in Haverhill. It was. Uh, uh, a trade school. I started off in graphic arts design, uh, which was really what I was seeking when I got into it. I realized, uh, that it wasn't really for me. And then I was really, really into culinary arts and food. I said, oh, let me, let me give culinary arts a try. And I, and I did a year of culinary arts and, uh, and, and I, and I wasn't a fan actually. I didn't like it at all. Uh, <laughs> it's which is funny. Um, I, I liked it. I just, you know, it was, it was very different the way it was set up, you know, back then. This is around probably 1994. All right, Uh, ninety-five, and it was just a little different because you couldn't. You were either in the kitchen or you were baking. So I, there was a whole section of Glass window You'd look through of everybody in baking class having tons of fun and you'd yeah. be in the hot kitchen skimming stocks. <laughs> and I was, uh, in the back of my mind has always been, has always been a, a, something about marketing, something about psychology and getting people to buy something they don't need. I mm-hmm. love marketing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you go to the grocery store. I teach my, my kids now about, you know, you just throw stuff in your cart and you don't even know why you get to the register and it's because of marketing. I, yeah. I just think it's a, A fascinating uh, business. So I ended up dropping out of culinary arts and going into marketing. Oh man, Um, yeah, it is. And and now, years later, uh, you get out. You you actually um, you need a job, and you try to find a job in certain careers. And I ended up working at a kitchen to pass some time and to get a job and to you know put some money, money in my pocket for the summer. And I ended up working for a chef, uh, who was a former chef of Windows in the World in New York City. And he, uh, he was just amazing and he was brutal. Yeah. And, uh, I was in fear. <laughs> uh, the good old, every day of, every day of work, there was a, a good respect and fear line. And it was, uh, it was a huge challenge for me to, to, to work under this guy. And I ended up. Uh, falling in love with the everyday rush, and said, "You know what? I couldn't. I couldn't ever spend a day in a, in a cubicle or an office. I just, I just couldn't do
0: it." Mm-hmm. Can you remember like the moment uh, when you just were like, "You know what? Like, aha! Uh-huh. Like this is for me. Like this is my industry. This isn't just a job to pay the bills. Like this is what I want to pursue for the rest of my life." Can you? Can you remember the time, or can you bring it down to a moment where you just you, you came to a realization that it was for you?
1: Uh, that's a, it's a mix. I think it's a, a very good question. It's a mix of a few years yeah. uh, placed together. It was more of a a bunch of separate building or blocks or cornerstones, rather, yeah. for lack of better terms, to build my momentum up to say, you know what, I, I definitely want to do this. This mm-hmm. is this is what it's all about. And I give I give a huge chunk of that to the to the Sea community. Especially up in the Portsmouth area. Um, I was a chef for a restaurant up in Portsmouth for a few years. And it was, uh, you know, the farmer's market in the morning. You bump into every chef there. Uh, the farms would deliver straight to your restaurant door. The, the, the amount of locavores and the amount of effort and care put into the community of people donating their time to turn compost piles in the, at, at Strawberry Bank for a uh, exchange in a plot and everything that they, they represent in that particular community started to really stick. And after meeting certain chefs in that area that I started uh, uh, socializing with on a daily basis, I said, you know what? This is really bigger than just feeding people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is people really feeding each other's souls. As uh, corny as that may sound, that's that's exactly how
0: it is. And not at and all, it's, man. It's, it's yeah, it's a it's a truly passionate industry, and those who are successful have that passion. You clearly do have it, so it's not silly at all. Sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but
1: uh, I can yeah, hear no, it. No, no problem. I'm just saying that the word passion too, we hear that a lot, and it's uh, it's it's one of those words now. To, yeah. It's a a catchphrase. You know, you you have an interview with somebody and say, I'm so passionate about food, and then, you know, they do a 15-hour day without eating or sitting down, and they're not so passionate any longer.
0: So thank you for sharing that story with us, Chef. Uh, It's a really great story to see how you came up in the industry. Uh, The the next thing I want to do with you is have you share with us your success or leadership quote or mantra. Uh, What is your success or leadership quote that you have for us today?
1: Uh, I say it, and it's like a a little thing in the kitchen, but it, it means the world, and and I'm dead serious when I say it. Treat it like you grew it. Mm-hmm. Um, I grow a lot of food at home. Uh, I have about 800 square feet of food uh, that we're growing for ourselves, and it is hard work. Uh, I absolutely respect the farmers that grow food. They, they really aren't making a, a killing. Uh, they, they're just passionate people about what they do, and we need them so importantly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I know that over 1,200 farms closed um, between the years 2000 and I think 2005. Uh, alone, which is uh, the only statistics that I learned that made me very well aware of there's a, there's a problem. Uh, why why wouldn't you sell your land to developers when when people are uh, not? supporting local. They just have these little stickers in their car or maybe maybe they'll buy a tomato or two. But, you know, the, the community-supported agriculture, is the CSAs, the meat and dairy CSAs, uh, the local farmers forming alliances now and, and getting on their mobile app programs mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the farmers markets have started these these things that people go to and now it's becoming a way of life. I do not think it's going to be reversed. It makes it really important when I say treat it like you grew it. Uh, rather, you know, you hand these parsnips to one of your cooks and you say, you know, as a grower, I say, you know, these, these, I put these seeds in the ground, and I and I waited, man, I waited months, and I fought off bugs organically, which is super hard, and I was tilling the ground and giving it little shots of compost, and really took some time just for you to take it and uh and, and overcook it or or leave it on the stove too long or or you know or or burn it in the cast iron pan and sort of baste it or certain things depending on whatever you're using it, whether it's chive blossoms or whether it's a. Uh, a Tamworth hog, you know, treat it like, treat, treat things with respect. You know, I admire the the Japanese culture where they, they treat everything on the cutting board with the utmost respect, especially if it was a living thing.
0: No, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's the first time I've, I've had somebody share that quote or that type of mantra with us. Uh, but it's so true. You have to have respect for the, everything that goes into your art, and uh, you clearly do. Um, The next question I have for you, Chef, is uh, what is your it factor? What are the personal characteristics that you have that contribute to your success?
1: My team is the the only reason we have the success we have. Uh, Nancy Caswell, uh, who supports my ideas and who who supports her entire team and and really listens to what we have to say and and lets me be the chef I need to be without uh, getting in my way. A lot of restaurant owners out there. Uh, should take notes on that if you hire someone you trust and believe then they should earn that trust you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to be so involved you should just support and she yeah. does that very well my sous chefs uh both of my sous chefs and my chef's cuisine it's just it really uh, down to my pastry chef everybody we have on the team uh my dishwasher right now uh just set up the stations he's downstairs making amazing pasta mm-hmm. uh, he's very talented very talented guy who yes. knows how to make very good pasta? So it's, it's my success is definitely my team.
0: You no, know, I'm so happy, Chef Patrick, that you said that because I had made notes. And I, I this isn't my first time interviewing somebody from the Nancy Caswell uh, restaurant or the Caswell restaurant group. I'm such a fan of what you guys are doing. And one of the reasons why is because of how much you give recognition to each other. And it's so very much a team atmosphere in uh, your your group, your restaurant group. Everybody just knows how lucky they are to have the team members they have and it's just that recognition that I really admire about you and everybody in your uh, your restaurants, your group there. It's it's really impressive. And another thing that really stuck out to me, just from listening to your story about who you are and your if factor, your sense of community seems to be really strong. And um, that it's that willingness to, to see the importance of sustainability and to be passionate about sustainability and to know just how significant it is and where we're going and what direction we need to turn into to go in the right way. Because we were going growing so far out of our communities, but now people are seeing what we need to really focus back in, in our communities. I think that the fact that you just recognize that and you're truly passionate about it really has contributed to your success. I just wanted to commend you on that as well.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It comes down to the the basic need for, uh, you know, you need to support your local agriculture. Or it's going, it is 100% going to uh, be gone in the future. There's no other way. If you're not supporting it, it's not going to be there yeah. for your children and for your grandchildren. Huh. And, uh, you need, you know, like Amer- as Americans, uh, in general, uh, the past 50, 60 years, we've completely lost touch. Uh, oh, yeah. maybe it's... not all, of, maybe not all of us, but as a complete, uh, nation, you know, the supermarkets came in and they were the best thing in the world. And all of a sudden the things got completely out of hand. Oh.
0: Um, I could talk, so, quote, all, <laughs> I could talk all day about this. You're absolutely right. And it's really scary. And I, I hope to kind of do an episode dedicated to, uh, the, Showing people and sharing with people getting into the industry how important it is that uh, this really isn't a trend. The sustainability shouldn't be a trend. It needs to be a movement, and it needs to be a pivoting point for the industry, um, not just with farms and restaurants, but in all across all boards, uh, supporting your local artisans, uh, not just you know, with food, but any kind of – whether it's a trade or anything. Uh, it's really important. And uh, I'm I'm sure we can. I I mean, I know I can talk all day about this, and I'm sure you could, too. we got to move on to the next question, Chef. And that question I have for you is, uh, what is your favorite restaurant experience or story? Uh, So we have so many great stories in this industry. Maybe it's an aha moment. Maybe it's a self-actualization moment. Or maybe it's just a funny-ass story that you remember that kind of uh, resets you whenever you're thinking, holy crap. My day, my week has been so long. Uh, but then you think back to these moments, these funny stories that kind of make you realize why you're doing this. Can you think of a particular moment, Chef, that really stands out to you?
1: Jeez, uh, I could think of a few. It's just it's been it's such a long, uh, a long group of years with so many great people. And <laughs> everything from uh, actually witnessing the the infamous insult systems going off into the fry lighters at a... Massive restaurant in the middle of a Saturday to the fire alarm to the fire alarm going off uh, during a the absolute peak of the night on valentine 's day oh, uh, there 's been some pretty good stories there 's been, been some some really funny things that have happened, but to think of them all right now. Oh, geez, that is Take just, uh, taking that, that's me down great.
0: to the ground level of one of those stories. Really bring me to the moment, uh, what it was like, what you're thinking, what you're experiencing, and how you, what you learned from that experience.
1: Well, you learn that when you're using cast iron and it's super hot, um, and that there's, there's oil that's literally on fire. Do not bring that to the dish room. Uh, right where the uh, the fire alarm is, and hit it with with some with some water.
0: All right, tell, bring that, that, it from from the beginning. I gotta hear this <laughs> one. What happened? To bring us to it. Uh, so we're in the middle of our first
1: uh, our first very successful. It's our first year at this new location, and it's a very successful evening. The menu was a tasting menu only. It was uh, everything was going super smooth. Um, The food was absolutely delicious, which is the hardest part of the job. We're all capable of cooking high volume. Mm -hmm. But uh, what what the the challenge is, is making sure that you hear from chefs, but it's, it's very much the hardest part of the job is making sure that every single plate is flawless, and that's what we were doing. We were in a good rhythm. Everybody's having a a great time. You actually saw some smiles in the middle of the ticket sitting on the floor, and the plates were looking solid. So that's the full circle. Everything was fine. And all of a sudden, um, we had a pan on in the back, uh, that I had, uh, been searing something in and I passed it to my dishwasher. I said, Hey, take care of this pan because it's in my way and I need this burner. Now we have 14 burners. So that definitely doesn't trick. Yeah. But we need, we needed every burner that night, obviously. the saute, uh, between the, the, the three stations that were running. We needed that burner. So I handed it over to the dishwasher and he, of course, runs away with it and, uh, sprays it off of the hose, setting a huge billowing <laughs> Smoke right to the fire alarm in the middle of uh people's first uh beautiful Valentine's Day dinner, the fire alarm screams in their ears and um actually to be honest with you it was handled so well in the front of the house um that we had uh customers actually sitting down back at their tables and eating within fifteen minutes. So oh, wow. It was it was it was uh it, it was definitely a better time than I expected. And uh last year's uh the next year, which was this previous year's uh Valentine's Day dinner, let's just say, went extremely smooth in that uh, we look forward to years to come without any fire alarms up.
0: What can you share? What what lesson can you or what can we take away from this story? Like, how did they handle it? What did they do that was so incredible that we should, um, you know, make note of?
1: Anytime you have a situation like that, you are going to be faced with the customers that are still going to eat. They're still going to get seated. They're not going to leave. Uh, if there's no fire, they are, they are going to come back uh, and, and sit down in their seat and finish their meal. So that means you need to keep your composure in the line, you need to watch your tickets, you need to take your Sharpie out on your, you need to make sure you have your your, uh, your Sharpie on you or whatever pen you have. You need to label your tickets. You need to make sure you know where you left off because you obviously have to shut the burners off and get ready for the fire department to reset the alarm. So the the learning experience with that, which was uh, very much so pay attention to where you just left off um, and make sure you can, as soon as your guests are reset, you have to start a seamless transition. Uh, and that was very tricky, easier said than done as far as for the front of the house. Now, the front of the house, it works very well with the back of the house, and, and I like that for some, some restaurants. On, on a larger scale. Sometimes you don't see that. Sometimes when things start going wrong in a kitchen, um, you'll, you'll hear the blame game, which I've seen in, in my years at other locations. Uh, we don't have that there. If, uh, if something's going wrong, we're all, we're all very well aware that the night's going to be over in a couple of hours, and we're going to be sitting down, um, having, having a glass of wine and talking about what we can do better the next day. Yeah. So when, when we do that, you know, we don't have to look at each other and be like, well, you, you know, there's no argument. So uh, as much as as much tension as there can be in a kitchen, as much tension that there can be in the air from uh, from the restaurant business itself. No matter how good you are, you, you always have that, that, that sense of urgency in the air. You can cut with a knife mm-hmm. uh, when when things don't go smoothly. Such as that situation, we really uh, we really pull together because the front of the house, the front of the house, and the back of the house definitely have a, a strong uh, relationship with respect for each other. And that's, uh, that's very important, especially in situations
0: like yeah, that. Yeah. And you guys over at say are, are truly awesome at that. And that was an incredible story of not only what happened and when the shit hit the fan, but what you did, how you reacted and what you learned from it. And a uh, uh, great example. Thank you for sharing it. So uh, I like to uh, also talk about um, hospitality. You know, obviously we need good food in the industry. That's a given. And we need great service, which is, you know, the technical side of service, uh, Doing things the right way, making sure your drinks are served appropriately and, and uh, timely. But, you know, what really, in my opinion, and uh, what I've learned from listening to some of these successful restaurant owners, what really sets apart the successful restaurants is the ability to take it to that next step, which is being hospitable. So can you share with us uh, a story where either you or a team member, you just witnessed them going the extra mile and uh, just being warm and generous and uh, treating them like a neighbor and not like a guest uh, or not like a customer, but treating them like a guest or like a neighbor. Uh, Can you share with us us a story that kind of touches on that? Uh,
1: Based on hospitality, I mean, you always go above and beyond for your customers, especially when um, you have a name for yourself and uh, you have a reputation for being uh, one of the guests best restaurants or whatever they want to call you, it means nothing depending on your service. We say, you know, we won great awards. We have a, a bunch of plaques on the wall, and that's fantastic, but what about today? Um, you know, today is what's important. Today is what's important. Give me uh, not an example yesterday.
0: of, like, one time, like when you, maybe you saw one of your team members just do something that was just totally unexpected or not uh, called for, but they just decided to do it, they went the extra mile. Uh, just give us a really quick example.
1: Oh, geez, I mean, it, I, it doesn't... There's so many situations, just trying to pick one out right now, whether you, I mean, the classic, somebody left a credit card and you chase it down the street, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or uh, somebody has uh, an allergy in the kitchen. But like I said, going back to the original uh, thought process, if you have this reputation, that's great. But when somebody sits down to eat, um, you need to uphold that reputation. You can't just get comfortable with what you've done in the past. You need to make sure you every single day you go above and beyond. So in the hospitality that you speak of, we're, we're, we're looking into so many different scenarios that, mm-hmm. that keep happening and will happen. Whether there's allergy, whether there's somebody at the table who has six thousand dietary restrictions that drives most chefs up the wall. We usually have some things already made um, for vegetarians. We have some awesome options because vegetarian food is absolutely delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we make sure that people don't feel like uh, you know, when you come to a restaurant and you're a vegetarian or you're a vegan, you shouldn't feel like uh, like you're an outcast. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't feel like we'll just whip up a plate full of vegetables for you that are just flopped together. Um, you know, we need to make sure we have some systems in place for these the guests that when you sit down, you can feel comfortable and be treated like like a top-notch guest, as you should be because you're getting built just like anybody else. Yeah. So you should, uh, when you sit down, I mean, this is not really quite answering your question but based on an actual moment. Uh, but, but rather than the whole entire package of making sure you treat people and go above and beyond, um in, uh, working on certain things that people are going to need, whether it's a chestnut flour-based pasta for uh, gluten-free people, which we have seasonally depending on the year, on, on, sorry, no time of year, uh, or whether you have, uh, vegan butter, which, uh, if I might add is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> um, on hand for certain people, you know, and that's just, that's just what you have to do. You
0: know, yeah, you're absolutely right. And really, if there's just anything to take away and what I'm taking away from you is that whenever you get these opportunities um, where you might be slightly inconvenienced to uh, accommodate somebody, you need to look at these inconveniences as opportunities to stand out and really shine because it's when you're inconvenienced and it's when you go the extra mile that you stand out and people notice you. So it's, it's so important, um, especially like you say, uh, in uh, your whole restaurant group, that's what you're known for, is just being extremely hospitable. So, you guys are awesome at it, and uh, there's no question why you're so successful because you guys just really knock it out of the park. Um, well, thank you. You're very welcome. The next question, Chef, I have for you is what is one challenge you're currently uh, dealing with right now, and how are you overcoming that challenge? Uh,
1: one challenge, oh, geez, uh, one challenge for me is farmers. Uh, the farmers market out here is once a week, and it's a phenomenal farmers market run by Sherry Wilkinson. Um, at Farmista on Twitter. She's fantastic. The local farms involved with that are great. Um, the CSA programs out in this community are getting larger and stronger. Uh but it's hard to find uh farmers with these deliveries. I spend uh, you know, an average of six to ten hours a week just on my own time before I get to work in that uh Getting produce from the farm. Uh, calling farmers at 7 a.m. because they're up very early. And if you try to call a farmer around 9 a.m., chances are you're not going to get in touch with mm-hmm. them. They're already in full motion fixing tractors and taking care of tackling their day. So I'm up uh, making sure, sure. that, uh, and I get home late, obviously, from the chef. So sometimes when I get home, it's one. Uh, 1- 30 in the morning. I can't text a farmer at 1:30 in the morning. Yeah. So I mean, I, so I, I get up early. I text them. I make sure that they have certain things that we need. I double check uh, if the strawberries are ready in time or whatever the produce may be, how your English peas is looking, uh, how are the flea beetles on your romaine, uh, what are you looking after potatoes this year, so on and so forth. I mean, I really pay, pay attention to the crops through the entire year. And doing that is fine, but when you do call, you do have to go to the farm and pick it up. As opposed to, like I spoke about earlier in the interview, uh, in the, in the other sea coast region, much easier because farmers are much more available there like down the street and they will deliver to your restaurant. So it's, it'd be nice, the challenge that I'm facing now to see a little bit more farmers have some kind of delivery program, but I'm not really counting on that because it's not their not really their place to, to go investing in yeah. trucks. So- uh, but you just can't get the same product off of a produce truck. I mean, we do tastings at the restaurant between me and my sous chef just, just for fun, and it's yeah. like taste this strawberry. Now taste this strawberry, or taste this wax bean that came off the truck. Now taste this wax bean, and you taste them, and there's no comparison. It, it, it's not even like yeah. difference. It's completely different.
0: So, what advice would you have to uh, you know for people who, who may be uh, experiencing this the same issue? Uh, what have you learned, and what advice do you have to give to kind of overcome this challenge?
1: I mean, let's just get more chefs involved. Let's stay true to our community. Let's let's uh make sure we look at the next guy down the street no matter if he's doing he has a burger joint or if he has a taco stand or if he has a fine dining establishment uh be humble speak to the people in your community work together uh create a buying power for these farms and we can definitely uh maybe buy in bulk and and, and get some deliveries in the community
0: absolutely and i kind of just want to tie this into the previous question with in hospitality but enlightened hospitality goes deeper than just being hospitable to your guests. It's about being hospitable to your environment or your your community too and everybody that surrounds you. And when you go the extra mile to support your farmer like you do, you'll drive through the house to to make sure you're supporting them to get the great products. Everybody notices that. I mean, it just, whenever you can do anything to benefit those around you, it comes back to pay you in some positive form, some way or another. Uh, so I mean, it might be a hassle, but I'm sure that your efforts and being willing to go the extra mile to support your community has come back around to serve you in some way. So, um, I mean, would you disagree with that?
1: No, I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I also think that, uh, that we get all the light, you know, we, we do these things and yeah, I do go out on my way a lot to get these products and there's things I need to do. You know, obviously I, I, I have two children at home. I have uh, a yeah, incredible amount of yard work to do. I have my own, I have 10 of my own chickens. I have meat birds. I have laying birds. I have the uh, organic garden. It's just completely busy, but I do have to sacrifice a lot of my own time to get these products to my guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that really sucks. But you know, when I, but when I show up like this morning, I show up with a tray of strawberries, and the whole entire restaurant smells like strawberries, and they, they definitely just came out of the ground. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a day and a half, maybe two days on these on these things before they start to, to break down in, in 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 the natural form because they're not sprayed with anything. So uh, w- when you eat that strawberry, when you when you just I have to do less to it. I mean, we'll just smear it on some buttered house-made sourdough, a little lardo and some pistachio. See you later. And it's the best damn thing you ever had. So uh, it is is a a fair thing to say, but it's also, you know, it's a sacrifice. And if you're willing to do that for your guests, there's there's no possible way that your guests are going to have a bad meal with produce like that.
0: You got it, man. You couldn't be more spot on. So, uh, I like to jump into, or uh, well, this is the point where we jump into uh, what I call the knowledge bombs, and this is where you just drop big ol' bombs of knowledge on us uh, to make us all a little bit more <laughs> unstoppable. So, are you ready to drop some bombs, Chef? Pat?
1: oh, oh wow, that's deep. I wish I, I wish I was prepared <laughs> for this, but I'll drop some freestyle
0: bombs, I guess. All right, man, you're going you're gonna to drop some great bombs. I know you are. So the first one I have for you is on the topic of uh, employee retention. Um, you know, it's, it's arguably, or, you know, without a question, probably the biggest struggle in this industry. So what advice do you have for us to find great employees and, and to keep them around?
1: Oh, boy. that's the. I mean, anybody that's in the restaurant business kid got a uh, question right now. And there's the edge of the seat waiting for some kind of help. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there is hope, but it's in the individual. I've met culinary students who have been the worst books I've ever had in my life, I've met culinary students who have been, uh, the most inspiring people I've ever met, uh, at you know, 19 years old, it's literally changing the way I think about certain things. I've met landscapers that I've hired that are now, out, uh, chef de cuisines in, in Los Angeles. I've met, uh, you know, we've, we've hired kids that just needed a summer job that all of a sudden one of them I know is working for Wolfgang Puck now. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, you never know mm-hmm. what you're handed. Uh, talk to people with respect and, uh, and feel them out. But, you know, sometimes on the opposite end of that spectrum, people speak a really good game. Uh, they have a really impressive resume and you hire them and they cannot perform. Yeah. Uh, so that is, that is such a, a, a crazy universe of a question that to, to even start to deep, uh, dip into because it's, man, is it hard finding good help. And everybody knows that, uh, that that is an absolute truth.
0: Yeah, you couldn't be you couldn't be more spot on. It is definitely a challenge. But if you could like drop like one piece of advice, like what would you look for um, for somebody? Like, what is like a make it or breaker for you? Like, is there anything in particular that you look for in a person? Um, yes, I look for
1: someone who is one hundred percent ready to work a fifteen hour stage, and uh, not and, and, uh, and at the end of the day, they have a smile on their face. That person. Uh, I have two of them in my restaurant right now. Uh, and they're two of my best guys. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's my little thing I, I figured out from these guys is they come in, they get their ass kicked. And then they, uh, at the end of the day, they're cleaning up shop. They're hanging pancetta and they're walking with you and they're looking at you in the eye going, hell
0: yeah. You You know, it, it takes such a special breed of person to work in this industry and you, you hit it. And a lot of people, they say, just look for smiles. Um, you have to be a positive person. It has to be ingrained into just to, you could eat, uh, you know, you could swim up a shit river. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you're just grateful to have opportunities and just to be happy doing what you love and just to be positive. And uh, you're absolutely right. And you already had mentioned that, you know, in order to keep these people around, you said respect. Um, Do you want to just tap on that a little bit more before we move on to the next question?
1: I mean, you said you have to be a certain breed of person. You have to be slightly insane, actually, (laughs) to do this for a living, um, which is fine because, I mean – the most insane people in the world have been the most inspirational people in the world. If you if you check history, yeah. Uh, I mean, looking into. Uh Keeping them around, uh, basically there's a, there's a, a level of respect there for somebody else who's going to put 100% into a business, especially like I did for other chefs growing up. I put in 100% every single day, even though my name wasn't on the front door. It wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. It was about team effort. It was about me feeling good about what I did with myself that day. It was about whatever we can do to get forward and do something we haven't quite mastered yesterday and nail it today. And As soon as we nail it, we move on to the next project. Um, you know, just, uh, just lots and lots of uh, areas to touch on. This is such a wide uh, yeah. area of, of things. So,
0: no, great, I great mean, advice. Thank you for sharing that. You're absolutely right. I mean, it just comes down to, like, having that purpose, and like you said, and just having the team effort and knowing that your your efforts are going towards a greater cause. And uh, it's all great stuff. Um, thank you for sharing it. And the next question, Chef, I have is uh, best restaurant resource. What's one book or website or magazine or anything that you would suggest to our listeners as a resource to grow and learn and to be on top of your game?
1: In this particular area, I like Seacoast Harvest Magazine. Um, it's a little pamphlet that comes out. It shows you what farms are growing, what, when it's in season, and how to get in touch with them. Okay. Uh, I really like that magazine. I really like uh, getting my hands on, uh, I mean, Jesus, I mean, I've magazines pile up at home. Yeah. Uh, edible, uh, any of those edible magazines—Edible Rhode Island, Edible Boston. Yeah, um, you know uh, those are always good magazines. They're always up and current to who's doing what. They're very rustic. They're very uh, down to the root. Um, I really enjoy reading those magazines. Those are great resources for who's doing what in the community and how you get in touch with them. Uh, you know, little—they give a lot of respect to little tiny people. I have a, a new issue with a bunch of farmers in it that nobody'd ever hear about without people would hear about but you just get much more uh, information on these tiny people that I would have never found out about without reading these certain magazines and I do reach out to them I call them up and I say all right there's an article on somebody that was doing parsnips for the spring and there's articles on people that are are doing greenhouse um, spinach for the entire year and you know we're just reaching out to these people and and trying to hook up deals It's, uh, it's all about connecting with them and I wouldn't be able to do it without these local magazines.
0: Yeah. You know, and it sounds like really just uh, your own community is sometimes the best resource Just staying in tune and getting outside those four walls and uh, getting engaged to your community and using those local magazines to really find out what's going on. And that's incredible advice. Thank you for sharing it. Um, What's one restaurant trend that really has your attention right now? Oh man,
1: the restaurant trend that has my attention right now is the word trend. God, uh, don't, don't pay attention to the trends. All right. I mean, just, just that's, that's my advice to anybody who's going to drop bombs. Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to what's growing and, and, and just, just grab the food and do the best thing you can. Do the best, get the best quality product and do as little food as possible that's going to interfere with the actual flavor of that product or manipulate things how you want. But the word trend just drives me up a wall. <laughs> um, because, you know, it's funny. I have, uh, I have an issue of Gourmet Magazine's. Uh, the, the old fashioned gourmet, the, the whole volumes of them back in 96, 97, 98. And as I, I go back and look at that stuff and look at these trends, and I'm like, you know, it's just hilarious because it just falls off. Uh, certain trends do stick and certain, uh, certain, I guess, you know, it's just, it's just that that word. It just drives me crazy. No, I, um, I understand. <laughs> I mean, when I, I was in Spain last year, and I was in uh, France last year, I was in Burgundy and Paris, and down in southern Spain and Tamar like they, they don't follow trends. Uh, you know, you're down there and, and you're eating this food, and it is absolutely stunning. Beautiful sardine uh, with local olive oil and salt, cooked over smoking olive wood. Done. Not a trend. Been doing been doing it for hundreds of years. Uh, If you look into the heart of the best Italian cuisine in the world, it has been the same cuisine. It's been forever and a day. It's just absolutely sexy food that's done simply. Uh, The food in Burgundy was the same. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely flawless presentation of of local flavors that are, are not that it's not about the local farmer's market out there because everybody's doing it. It's about seasonality because they've always done that. Yeah. Um, You know, I really admired that if you need bread, you go to the, you go to the bakery. If you need uh, you know, pastry, you go to the pastry shop, but that's just, that's what you do. If you need cheese, you go to the cheese store and that's, it's just
0: perfect yeah you know people say that uh, we're going the trend right now is sustainability and I, I really like to believe that it's not a trend and that it's uh, a movement like i said and, uh, a realization and almost if you call it an awakening because if you look at the cultures like in spain and in Fran- you know, france and italy uh just the old time culture and it's just the, those cultures those identities don't go away for them and they just do what they know and they do what they're they they grew up with and uh it works and uh, hopefully what we just learned from you is do what you know and do what you grew up with and, and it works and we can identify ourselves with those passions and what we love. And, uh, so that's incredible advice. And thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, so we like to talk about on the podcast, um, one product or service. And I know this is difficult for the chefs because things don't change as often in the kitchen as they do in the front of house, but there's always new technologies and always new things coming up, um, that as restaurant owners or as, uh, uh, GMs or managers we have to be paying attention to to uh, get that maximum turn return on investment so can you think of any product or service that uh, say I uses that uh, just has really shown that it was totally worth the investment and give it a, a completely objective review um, you know what here's something I talked about Eric. Uh, off the off the subject so i'm still
1: on I'm still on trends man <laughs> and I, I I know you have to move on to your questions. I know you have a limited amount of time, but I didn't get to—I didn't get to uh, to finalize my thought on trends. Do it. You know, finish it, please, do. Um, because I mean, that, that was such a loaded question, and, and you know, I'm so—it's such an important finish that I didn't get to put on there. Okay, just just to wrap things up on trends. I mean, trends are, are, are as much as they drive some people crazy, and as much as other people embrace them, I believe that uh, they are, I guess, important. But not as important as innovation mm-hmm. uh, putting together trends versus innovation is 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 uh, a very you know thin line you know so you have chefs must be innovative so i'm not saying you have to stick to the old style of cooking of of certain regions that are not here we are developing our own region. New England is a new region we are uh, the the upcoming uh Provence of the East, I mean, minus the temperature difference. We are, we are definitely, we have mountains, we have cities, we have seafood, we have, uh, shellfish, we have hunters, we have game, we have beautiful farms, we have local produce, we're, we're developing such a, uh, a unique, uh, culture. Here in New England, so uh, I guess you wouldn't have that without without certain people being innovative with food. So I guess the fine line between trends and innovation is is kind of the balance you get to try to find. And, and I think if you do something innovative and other people catch on to it, it becomes a trend.
0: Yeah. No.
1: Uh, so so be the innovator.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's incredible advice. And. Um... Yeah, it's just it's it's those people that are willing to uh, zig when everyone else is zagging that uh, get noticed and that stand out and, like you said, create the trends and uh, create their own culture that are unique to their location. So it's yeah. I mean, thank you for uh, you know extending on the t- the subject. It was totally worth it. Um, Do you want to add anything else?
1: Uh, no, that was definitely it. I just wanted to make sure that you know the trends are great, but they're started by innovators.
0: Absolutely, man. Totally right. And, um, so the next question I had for you, um, if you would like to answer is just basically on the topic of, um, all the products and services that come into the market every day. And as restaurant owners and managers, it's kind of hard to filter through what's worth your investment and what's not worth your investment. So, um, can you give a completely objective review on a product or service, or maybe it's a, a gadget, a tool that you use that you'd, uh, 100% hands down recommend to somebody who's looking, uh, you know, or just uh, would like to recommend anything to anybody out there? Um, I would say pressure cooker, and most people have them. But if, if they don't, uh,
1: especially when you're doing nose to tail and you're, you're using whole animal parts and you're breaking down pig's feet and uh, you know head cheese, that can be done overnight, nice and slow, which is a great way. But we've also gotten uh, different gelatin springs out of it. We've uh, we've we've used uh, pressure cookers for making uh, infused vegetable stocks. We've used it for a carrot puree with just a touch of. Uh, baking soda in it and, uh, changing the actual pH of the carrot and brightening colors. And, uh, you can do a lot with pressure cookers. You can preserve, uh, the seasons. You, last year we did a bunch of tomatoes so we didn't have to buy any canned tomatoes. Um,
0: is there, we just a, did... is there a survey or maybe a book or um, a website that you use to kind of learn, uh, the different techniques that you would recommend to anybody?
1: Um, I wouldn't recommend websites because I don't know any myself. We just kind of learned how to use a pressure cooker and, honor. uh, uh, we looked at certain books. The modernist cuisine book is, is decent for a lot of things like that. There are some flaws in some of the recipes. I'm sure chefs do know. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it is a great, uh, a great technique book. There's also a lot of other things online you can dig up on, on cool. pressure cookers. Um, they are, they are extremely excellent tool in the kitchen, especially for when you need to break down, uh, certain parts of an animal that really, really need to be, uh, broken down properly and pressurized and they can really break down like tendons and, uh, and, and, especially pig's feet and collars and things like that work
0: very well. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, chef. Uh, the next question I have for you, and we're, and we're wrapping up just so you know, um, is, uh, what is your best business advice for someone getting into the industry? Ooh, um, I would
1: say if you're getting into the industry on my end, uh, of the, of the board. If you're, I couldn't speak for the front of the house. I could definitely speak to the kitchen. If you're getting into your own business, um, love what you do. Um, and research your, research your, your, your clientele, your crowd in the area, you know, know who you know who you're serving that you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't open up a burger shop in Chinatown. I say, you know, mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't have, uh, this is, this is a weird thing we say, but it, we do say it. You wouldn't have 50 cent open up for Metallica. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs>
0: yeah
1: you got to know your crowd. So if you're in the right location, your right community, uh, I think you're, you're going to be fine. Uh, do your own thing and love what you do, and people will come. But uh, I believe it just comes down to, again, whether we like it or not, it's location, location, real estate. Because um, that's just cause by the name of the game. Um, and that's, that's the best I got. I mean, we love what we do here, and you can hopefully taste that
0: when you come in. Incredible advice, Chef. And uh, are there any questions you can think of that I could have asked you that would have brought more value to this interview? Um,
1: Not sure. Uh, that's pretty much what I have here. And I have uh, I have some tickets coming on the board now, and I'm about to go do this thing.
0: All right, man. Sounds good. Before I let you go, can you just share with us uh, one person that you admire in this industry that you believe would make a great uh, guest for a future interview? Evan Mallett, Black Trumpet. Already got him. And you're absolutely right. He was incredible. but And thank you for sharing. So uh, his,
1: uh, his, his quote, we had an heirloom, uh, the, the, uh, a barn dinner of a year at Meadows North Farm that I went to uh, two years back, and it was just incredible. Yeah. And he, he had said one thing that has still resonated in my head. is, um, uh, He said, I'd like to see, and I'm quoting Evan. Sorry, Evan, I'm, I'm quoting you, man. <laughs> uh, he said, I- I'd like to see more celebrity farmers and celebrity chefs. And it made all the sense in the world to me that, you know, why are chefs getting all the glory when, when you're just taking this product that some guy busted his ass off of and is in his property and probably made very minimal profits that entire year, but still does it every year because he loves to. And, uh, and, and then the chefs get all the glory. It, it, it was the truest thing ever. And it was very humbling. And uh, I, I highly respect that, man.
0: Well, that was an incredible shout out to Chef Evan Mallett. And uh, if anybody wants to connect with you, uh, what's the best way? Uh,
1: best way it would be to reach me on Twitter at Chef Pat Sousi, uh, I'm on Instagram at psoos, p s o o s e, lots of crazy stuff. On that Instagram, I'm always uploading. I'm always on adventures. I'm always running around with a with a live fish hanging off of something or or popping mushrooms in the woods. That sounded wrong. I don't pop <laughs> mushrooms in the woods. Those days are over. Mush- uh. Taking pictures of <laughs> taking pictures of mushrooms popping out of the ground. Awesome. Hey, <laughs> but otherwise, uh, very very fun. If you want to follow on uh, online, there's lots lots of action going on in there.
0: If you guys are in the New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Seacoast area, and you uh, liked what Chef Patrick had to say and he resonates with you, give him a shout, go work for him, uh, and that's what we try to do, connect people. And you have tickets to take care of, Chef, so I'll let you go. Uh, thank you so much for your time, your advice, your mentorship was incredible and uh, a truly valuable experience for me. you got it, Eric. You're the man. Thanks right. for having me on the show, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Another great episode on Restaurant Unstoppable, Pat Chef Pat Susie, man, you rocked it today. You're just uh, there's no question why you are successful, and your passion is so clear and so evident. Um, The way you take care of your community, the relationships you have with your farmers, uh, the passion you have for staying. The passion you have for uh, sustainability—I mean, there's just no question why you are successful. And uh, some of the things that really stuck out to me today uh, that I would like to cover just on the recap here. um, Like I mentioned, uh, the way he takes care of his community and his farmers. When you take care of your community, they take care of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Focus on the team. uh, I mean, the people over at Seap are just so team-oriented. It's incredible. And if you go back to past episodes, I interview uh, Nancy uh, Batista. Caswell, who is the general manager or the uh, the owner of the restaurant group, the, the founder of the uh, Caswell restaurant group, and also I have uh, the general manager of uh, Brian on the show, all part of the Caswell restaurant group, and one thing that's in common with all these folks is that they don't talk about themselves so much as they talk about their team, and how they couldn't do it without their team, and the fact that they just have that recognition, and they bounce off each other so much, and um, they it's just... The, the unity there is just really something to be admired so uh, hats off to you folks over at uh, say and at Brian uh, oyster bar you guys just rock at life go check them out and um, you know what really really stuck with me on this episode too is a uh, don't lose your shit man i mean sometimes you uh things happen you might set the fire alarm during the middle of your uh service during valentine's day and you've got to keep your cool because um if you lose your shit and you know when shit hits the fan and uh you let it get to you and you get off that rhythm you're gonna have a really long night and uh you just can't get mad at each other you have to just keep on going and uh know that in the future someday you're just gonna laugh about it and just have that positive attitude And then, you know, I think today uh, there might be a pivot on the show. I think I might be uh, changing one of the questions to what is one industry trend to what is one industry innovation. I really like the point you had with that. And um, it's the innovators who are the trendsetters and we're not, we don't, we shouldn't be, you know, giving credit to the trend, we should be giving credit to those innovators that are willing to stick with their um, passions and whatever it is that sets them apart that start the, those trends. So that was really cool. So thank you, uh, Pat, for kind of opening my eyes to that. And that's why I'm here. Don't forget, I am a student of the industry. Uh, my passion is learning, and my passion is uh, sharing with others what I learn. And uh, I hope you guys are right next to me, uh, going along this journey with me, You're just beside me, uh, learning with me, and. I'm enjoying every second of it. I hope you are too. And uh, before I let you guys go, I just want to say a special thanks to Evan Mallet. There's no need to get you back on the show. You were one of my first guests, and uh, for that, for being one of my first guests, just a very uh, genuine, sincere thank you for giving me the time of day when uh, I had no uh, interviews in the, the the bucket yet, and I just was some guy who approached you and said, "Hey, please be in my podcast." And you were so just willing and uh, ready to be there to help me out with my cause. And um, that's why you're so great. That willingness to help your community, to help the people in your community. And I, I honestly believe it was, it's your influence in this community, in the uh, Portsmouth area, that got so many other people to jump on board my podcast, and it's what really primed the engine and got me going. So, uh, and a uh, hats off to you, Mister Chef Nallet, Uh And that's all I have today on Restaurant Unstoppable. Until next time, guys. Peace out.